This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison, here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, a thousand cards have already been signed in Volkswagen in Chattanooga, Tennessee, beating the 30% uh, minimum threshold to get an NLRB election. The campaign there continues. We talked to Zach Hyden about the uh, automotive free clinic and trends in the automotive repair industry. We talked to Tate Hewer about um, uh, benefits available to federal employees. All that and more on today's Valley Labor Report. If you want to be part of the program, we've got a phone number and the line is open. You can call or text 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. You can also leave us a voicemail or send us a text message throughout the week and we might respond to it on the next show. If you haven't gotten enough of us, if you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we wrap up here on the radio, or if you just want to see what we're up to throughout the week, you can find us anywhere you find anything online, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, all at The Valley Labor Report. Just a reminder, your support helps us stay on the air. Our largest single source of funding comes directly from our listeners. So if you want to make a one-time or monthly recurring contribution, you can go to tvlr.fm slash donate. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report if you are more comfortable with that uh, interface. We've also got some merch, tvlr.fm slash store, if you would like to buy some of our new shirts or our stickers that we always keep in stock. And if you're a member of a union then definitely think about getting your local or international to sponsor the show. We could not do it without our union partners. That's right. And let me add a disclaimer that any viewpoints or opinions expressed in this program belong solely to their author and do not necessarily represent any organization or sponsor. We welcome all of our listeners, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Unclaimed Mysteries Internet Radio, WVNN, WZZA, WHIV, or through your favorite podcast app, we are proud to be part of the Labor Radio Podcast Network and encourage our listeners to check that out. As most of you know, we are not media professionals, just a few diehard union brothers who believe that Alabama and the South's labor movement and working class deserve a bigger platform. We're hoping this project can make a difference on that front, and we could not do it without you. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. Whether you're a loyal fan or a first-time listener, we appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. That's right. That's right, folks. So um, 
Lots to talk about today. Lots going on. Got a couple of good guests for the main show. Um, also, you know, just uh, uh, for folks that listen to us on the radio and maybe you catch us uh, at the beginning of the show and not as much towards the end, but um, we do have a whole second half of the program. We've got a second half of the show that is online only, and we have uh, some great stuff lined up for the second half of the show, too. The way that we kind of generally, it's not like set in stone, but generally speaking, the way that we try to organize our program is that the first half of the show centers more around... Alabama stuff, Southern stuff, local stuff. And then the second half of the program is broader, is more national and international in scope. Um, And so in the second half of the show today, we've got Connor Lewis, president of the Seven Mountains Central Labor Council in Pennsylvania. He's going to be talking to us about um, uh, News Guild members who are organizing for their union to call for a ceasefire in Gaza. And also going to be talking to us about uh, some wins for the building trades that they have been winning in Center County, Pennsylvania. So lots of good stuff there. We're also going to be talking about um, what is going on in Sweden with Tesla. Um, there are, uh, uh, Scandinavian unions in several different countries, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland are all striking Tesla. And not only are they striking Tesla, but other unions are going on sympathy strikes against Tesla so much so that like the janitors are not cleaning their warehouses and the postal, uh, the, the letter carriers are not delivering their mail. Okay. So huge stuff going on there going to talk about that in the second half of the show so um if you don't usually then definitely find us on youtube and facebook and continue watching after we go off of the radio so first up uh we're going to get to what happened last week in southern labor workers are always on the move uh lots of stuff happening in the south in the labor movement workers are filing and winning union elections uh we are uh bargaining better contracts uh we are um fighting against and fighting for legislation. And so uh, that doesn't get enough love. So we try to do a little bit of a corrective and keep you kind of broadly informed about what's going on in the South. So uh, in new campaigns, uh, workers who were uh, likely led or pushed by their employer at GTA R-A-T-P-D-E-V in Greensboro, North Carolina, filed a petition to decertify the Amalgamated Transit Union, ATU, locals 714 and 1493, um, as the unions representing the 12 employees there. Nine workers at Coqui Del Mar Guest House in San Juan, Puerto Rico, filed for a union election with the Coqui Del Mar Workers Union. 20 workers at Starbucks in St. Anne, Missouri, filed for a union election with Starbucks Workers United, as did 26 more Starbucks workers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Five workers at Wells Fargo Bank in Daytona Beach, Florida, filed for a union election with the Communication Workers of America, CWA, becoming the third group of workers at Wells Fargo to do so. 22 workers in fuels at UPS in Louisville, Kentucky, filed for a union election with the General Drivers, Warehousemen, and Helpers, Teamsters, local union number 89, as did 28 ramp and tug workers at UPS at the same facility in the same city. The employer filed for a union election after a majority of the 10 workers 
at CMEX Construction Materials South, LLC, in New Braunfels, Texas, showed support for unionization with the Teamsters, Local 657. Uh, you will remember that CMEX is the company that the Teamsters took to bat over unfair labor practices in a separate union election that got us the new CMEX standard at the National Labor Relations Board, so the company's probably going to be a little bit more careful in the union election this time. Fifteen security guards at Walden Security in Washington, D.C. filed for a union election with the United States Court Security Officers. The employer filed for a union election after a majority of the 290 workers at Places for People Incorporated in St. Louis, Missouri, showed support for unionization with the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, Healthcare Missouri, Kansas. Workers who were likely led or pushed by their employer at Gallows Point Resort in St. John, Virgin Islands, filed a petition to decertify the United Industrial Workers, a Seafarers International Union affiliate, as the union representing the 18 workers there. Workers likely led or pushed by their employer at Taylor Corec in Campbellsville, Kentucky, also filed a petition to decertify the Teamsters Local 89 as the union representing the 36 workers there. 26 workers at Kansas City PBS in Kansas City, Missouri, filed for a union election with the National Association of Broadcast Employees and Technicians, NABET, CWA. Uh, in campaign updates, the UAW International President Sean Fain visited Toyota's Georgetown, Kentucky plant last week after speaking to the Kentucky AFL-CIO. Uh, and UAW Local uh, 862, which uh, the president of UAW Local 862, Todd Dunn, which represents Ford workers at the Louisville plant, said, I feel very confident we're going to organize Toyota. He told us during our conversation on the show that as far back as the stand-up strike months ago, workers in the Toyota plant were already wearing UAW shirts on the plant floor. In election results, professional workers for the city of Richmond voted to unionize by a 3-to-1 margin. With SEIU Local 512, this comes after the administrative and technical employees voted to unionize with the same local in June, and the trades voted to unionize with the Teamsters in November. Eight workers at the Student Borrowers Protection Center in Washington, D.C. withdrew their petition for a union election with the Office and Professional Employees International Union, OPEIU, Local 39. The decertification petition was withdrawn at Bloom's, Bloom Medicals of Missouri Dispensary in O'Fallon, Missouri, meaning that the United Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW Local 655, will continue to represent the 13 workers there. And the decertification petition was withdrawn at the National Iranian American Council in Washington, D.C., meaning that the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW Local 1900, will continue continue to represent the four workers there. Eleven workers at Grant Makers for Effective Organizations in Washington, D.C. withdrew their petition for a union election with 1199 SEIU, United Healthcare Workers East. Workers at TransDev Services in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, voted 33 to 1 in favor of unionization with ATU Local 1546. Workers at two different Starbucks in Atlanta, Georgia, both voted unanimously 10 to 0 in favor of unionization with Starbucks Workers United. And workers at Centerpoint Energy in Byram, Mississippi, voted, and this hurts, 9 to 64 against 
unionization with the United Association of Plumbers and Pipefitters, UA Local 619. Workers at the Dar Aerospace uh, at Dar Aerospace in Stewart, Florida, voted 133 to 42 in favor of unionization with the United Automobile Workers, UAW. Workers at Titan Concrete in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, voted 17 to 72 to decertify the International Union of Operating Engineers, IUOE, Local 487. And workers at Unity Healthcare voted 102 to 17 in favor of unionization with the Union of, Mer- of American Physicians and Dentists, me, local 206. Workers at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, voted 909 to 73 in favor of unionization with Emory Workers United. Had a couple of uh, grievances last week. A reporter for the Dallas Morning News resigned after management caved to political pressure from elites in the city, escalating discipline beyond what the CBA outlines for what the Dallas News Guild calls a, quote, basic mistake. The Guild condemned the actions of the paper in a tweet last week. The Birmingham Waterworks Employee Association delivered a letter to the Birmingham Waterworks Board regarding inequity in discipline, promotions, and salaries, saying that morale has dipped to an, quote, all-time low. Apparently, a similar letter was written and delivered in 2005. In strikes and bargaining updates, 2,000 National Nurses United members at Ascension Hospitals in Austin, Texas and Wichita, Kansas, went on a one-day strike, which the hospitals followed with an additional three-day lockout. Cafeteria workers at Guilford County Schools went on a two-day sick-out strike for higher wages, and the Southern Workers' Assembly issued a statement of support. SAG-AFTRA ratified their new contract with production com- with the production companies by a near 80% margin. Call Center Workers United, a CWA affiliate organizing Maximus Call Center workers who man the phones for Medicare, Obamacare, etc., announced that they are holding a rally next week and inviting allies. They're trying to pressure uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Becerra to do something about their abysmally low wages. 1,100 Teamsters went on strike at DHL's largest and busiest logistics hub in North America, the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport. This comes after a 98% strike authorization vote and a failure on the part of the company to reach a fair contract with the newly unionized workers. Not long after the strike was announced, the Teamsters approved an additional $125 a week in strike pay, increasing the current strike pay from what was already the highest in the labor movement to $625 per week. Teamsters International President Sean O'Brien threatened to deliver a UPS strike, uh, setting a deadline of Monday for UPS to rehire its 35 Louisville administrative staff that recently unionized with Teamsters Local 89, or else all 14,000 UPS Teamsters in the city will walk off the job. And UPS caved to the pressure yesterday, Friday, announcing that uh, all 35 administrative staff have been rehired with back pay. Hell yeah. Had a couple of uh, updates in internal union affairs. GM workers across the country are officially being converted to permanent status now as the new contract with the UAW has been ratified. In Spring Hill, Tennessee, they held an induction ceremony last week for their 125 members who are getting this conversion. 
The city of Decatur has, uh, and then in um, policy, politics, and legislation, the city of Decatur has fired three officers in the police killing of Steve Perkins without releasing their names, presumably so they can get a job and a license to kill in another municipality. The National Council of Urban Education Associations, made up of the largest NEA locals in urban areas, passed a resolution calling on the NEA leadership to pressure Biden and members of Congress to support a ceasefire in Gaza. This motion was put forward by the Amarillo Education Association in Texas. The USPS is proposing the closure of mail processing operations in Charleston, West Virginia, which was, would result in the loss of eight hundred jobs. The United Mine Workers of America issued a statement in strong opposition. Speaking of the UMWA, members were in D.C. last week lobbying for the approval of a new silica rule by the Mine Safety and Health Administration. The American Federation of Government Employees endorsed the recently introduced VA Correct Compensation Act, which would allow federal unions to represent their members in matters of of payroll errors. Most federal employees already get this right to representation in this area, but several job job classifications in the VA are exempt, including physicians, dentists, and more. The newly introduced bill would strike that exemption. AFGE Local 17 President Douglas Massey testified in Congress last week about the detrimental impact of the inexperienced agency leadership on VA employees and the people they serve, specifically the pay cuts for attorneys, inadequate training, and unreasonable quotas. Limestone County, Alabama voters rejected the continuation, not the imposition, the continuation of a tax that funds education. This in one of the fastest growing counties in the state. According to reporting, there will likely be another election next year as there are concerns that the public was not properly educated about what they were voting on. The current tax, pro tax provisions sunset in 2025, so they will need to move quickly to schedule another election. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is threatening to prosecute any doctor who performs an abortion that the courts sanction an abortion for a woman with a non-viable pregnancy. The U.S. State Department has recently pr uh, proposed new rules for J-1 Alpair Pro for the J-1 Alpair program. While these new rules include important improvements to ensure fair pay for Alpairs, a uh, which is a live-in childcare worker on a temporary visa to work and study. They also jeopardize labor protections that alpairs and other domestic workers have fought hard to win under federal, state, and local laws, according to, to the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Specifically, the NDWA states that the new rule would take away protection from harassment and discrimination and even workers' compensation. They are asking supporters to sign a petition in opposition to the new rule. That wraps it up for last week in Southern Labor. This week, uh, we're going to take a break really quick, and we will be right back with Zach Hyden talking about the Automotive Free Clinic. Benefit Architects has proudly supported union members and union-made products for over 35 years. If you are a federal employee and an AFGE member, 
you're eligible for hundreds of dollars in money-saving benefits, including group life insurance, dental insurance, and AFLAC insurance. Additionally, if you're a union member but don't work for the federal government, you can still qualify for several of these money-saving policies. So give Tate Cure a call at 256-215-6769 for details and to enroll. Again, that is Tate Hewer at 256-215-6769. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and family members are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough even to keep their jobs. We can fix this. It's time for us to find a way to close the health care coverage gap so that people can remain at work. Let's make this a priority. Let's close this gap and cover Alabama. To learn more and how you can help, visit CoverAlabama.org. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have stood with the working people of Alabama for over 40 years, providing skilled legal representation for your workplace injury claims. When you are injured on the job, it can be a scary time. The attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs have the experience to guide you through the process to make sure that you and your family are properly taken care of and your rights are protected. If you need help, call the attorneys at Maples, Tucker & Jacobs at 855-617-9333 or visit online at www.mtnj.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services provided is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other law firms. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Attention union members, membership organizations, podcasters, or anyone with a payment processing need. The future is here, and your organization needs to be prepared by working with Unionly. With Unionly, your union or organization can take payments on a mobile device, eliminating processing fees, giving you a better price than other payment processing methods, while at the same time supporting a union-friendly business with a specialized skill set to meet your needs. Your members will thank you when they pay their dues at their convenience without waiting in line to deposit cash or check. Start preparing for the future today by calling 206-595-8631 or visiting unionly.io. Are you looking for a better future, a career that can have you set for life, and to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself? If you are, then consider a skilled trades apprenticeship with the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades. The work of IUPAT is all around us, from the industrial painters who work on the bridges to drywall finishers, floor coverers, the glazers who install the glass in our skylines, and so much more. With an IUPAT apprenticeship, you earn while you learn and receive benefits while learning the trade, including a pension. We provide world-class education free of charge. That's right, no student debt. Our starting salaries for apprentices that graduate is above the national median salary with benefits for entire families. And you have the flexibility to take your trade wherever you'd like in the country to work. IUPAT District Council 77 covers our entire region, so give Adam Booth a call at 205-603-3142 for more information. Again, that phone number is 205-603-3142. Come build a better future with us today and join IUPAC. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, 
You need a lawyer who's with you. Senior Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior Law. The name with proven results. Support for this program is provided by the International Association for Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local Lodge 44 in Decatur, Alabama. Learn more at IAMAW44.org. Come all you poor workers, good news to you, I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Labor creates all wealth. All wealth should go to labor. And you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host, Adam Keller. We're broadcasting live online and on the radio, and we are not stopping. We appreciate everybody watching us on YouTube. We've got uh, 20 some odd folks watching and only 20 likes. Let's get those likes up. Uh, appreciate everybody watching Austin, Jared, William in the chat, uh, Kentucky DHL on strike. Indeed. Vonda solidarity. Uh, proud to see the UAW stand up animating worker organizing efforts here in Tennessee. That's right. Uh, really excited to see that. Uh, Caballo says greetings from Taos County. James says FedEx curry up from Tampa here. Uh, very cool. Uh, you should reach out to the Teamsters. <laughs> uh, Mark says, take action to support a- AFGE's VA Correct Payroll Act. Yes, uh, indeed. That's a-, a very important piece of legislation. And shocking that it is not already the law. Shocking that there are some classifications of federal employee that do not have the right to union representation when the agency does not pay them what they're owed. It's just bonkers. Absolutely wild. Uh, Another Jacob in the chat says also here. Appreciate that. So, uh, Adam, I believe we've got Zach in the Zoom now, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Let me make sure I can get him on camera and everything. Yeah. Fantastic. um, Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Um, so Zach is the uh, founder, and I'm not... Totally sure what other titles you have. Uh, I think executive director at the Automotive Free Clinic, which provides uh, free and low-cost car repairs uh, to people in need down in Montgomery. Zach, welcome back to the program. Thanks, guys. I just wanted to start off by saying how much I appreciate y'all. I know how hard it is to build something from scratch, and y'all have built an important media outlet in Alabama, where there it is just there's nothing here to cover labor and working class issues. So I want to just uh, speak to how much, uh, you know, we at the Automotive Free Clinic and uh, workers across the South really appreciate what y'all do. Hell yeah. Really I appreciate, appreciate that, man. Um, yeah. So let's start with telling us a little bit more about the Automotive Free Clinic, because it has been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, for folks who maybe don't remember, tell us a little bit about what y'all are, what you do for folks. Yeah, we're a 501c3 registered nonprofit automotive repair shop. Um, we essentially do uh, automotive repair at cost, and uh, we don't we don't mark up the parts at all. Um, we can't mark up the parts legally, 
And uh, if people want to give a donation for the labor we do, tell them how much it's worth, but it's totally uh, voluntary. Um, and we've been in business since May of 2020, so almost four years, March of 2020, excuse me. So it's been almost four years, and in that time, we've repaired almost 500 vehicles. That's awesome. Um, we moved into a six-bay shop last year. And in that one year, we've done 160-something vehicles, which is about double what we were doing um, a year previous to that. So we've done pretty well. I mean, money's tight, and anytime we're we're all volunteer organization. Um, we do get a little bit of stipend here and there when we got the money, but pretty much all volunteer organization. Everybody's real dedicated. Joe Fontaine, Christy Wells, Joe Smith, Andy Wells all great people great uh, they're all workers um you know reti some retired workers but other types of workers and you know it's built built by the working class for the working class so um we're real proud of what we've accomplished um you know and uh i could we couldn't do it with without all the people that have helped us we've had almost a thousand individual donations like y'all individual donations are our biggest revenue stream and we are thankful for every single person who has donated even $5. So, you know, I mean, I, the, the way that the community has stepped up with us, especially our church, First Christian Church of Montgomery, the way they've stepped up for us is just uh, uh, nothing short of amazing and maybe even a miracle. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's pretty, much, that's pretty much the story of the Automotive Free Clinic. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fantastic um, just to hear about, you know, the, the growth and and you're right it's so hard to sustain a project like this for the long haul uh and and it's always hard to fund it uh but yeah really applaud what you're doing and, and i know it's making a difference you know hundreds of folks who have experienced car repairs now and that's just fantastic i love to see the mutual aid in practice and uh, you do have an event coming up that's why you're here uh wanted to talk a little bit about uh an event you're hosting on trends in the automotive repair industry so tell us a little bit about the event what you have going on and uh why folks should be interested yeah the purpose of the event is to you know what john haney said who's one of the panelists is to demystify auto repair and even in our shop which is set up really to be beneficial to the customer it's people are still confused and sometimes upset about how much auto repair cost, how long it takes, that sort of stuff. Right. And we want to facilitate a conversation between industry professionals and the public so that we can see that we're all human beings and that we're all doing the best we can and maybe sort of dig out of the hole we're in, in the automotive repair industry. Uh, some of it is some of the distrust is because of the business model of the automotive repair industry, which I don't think is very, you know, beneficial to techs, service writers, or uh, or uh, customers. But that that's right. another story. Um, our panelists are Jesus Abete of Advanced Auto Parts. Um, he's our parts specialist. Christy Wells, who is our office manager and service writer at the AFC. Uh, John Haney, who is the owner of Liberty Automotive in Argo, Alabama. He's also a master technician. And Neil Ham, who is a Lexus tech in Montgomery. And uh, he's almost a master technician. I think he lacks one certification to be a master. So we got some pretty real, real good technicians, pretty experienced people. And uh, we're hoping maybe we can get a part specialist, I mean, a tool specialist on 
um, to talk about, you know, it's expensive. Tool, tooling in a shop is really expensive. I would say that we have in our shop between all of our boxes and the specialty tools that we have, we probably have a hundred thousand dollars worth of tools in the shop. And, um, you know, I don't think people understand that kind of investment and we still don't have all the tools we need. We're working right. on the floor. We don't, have, we don't have lifts. We don't have a tire machine. We don't have a balance machine. Our air conditioning machine is iffy. Um, so like, you know, I, I, I want people to be able to understand that, you know, it is really expensive to um, work on car, these modern cars with all the electronics that are on them. And it takes a, a, a wide range of knowledge to be able to effectively work on a vehicle these days. If you buy a new 2023 car, that car is going to have probably upwards of 50 computers on it. And all of those computers talk to each other. And if one of them goes down, it's very possible the car won't even start. So, you know, we want to try to help have a conversation between the public and industry professionals so that everybody can learn, you know, have a frank conversation, like, so everybody can learn from each other and sort of walk away with it with a better understanding of what, what the customer side wants and what the technician side wants. Yeah, you know, something that comes to my mind and you describing this, you know, and, and talking about these trends is like, I remember growing up, my grandfather could fix pretty much anything that went wrong with his truck, right? Uh, and if, you know, my parents' car or something happened, like he was that resource. Uh, and I think so many families had that kind of resource, you know, an uncle or grandpa or dad, somebody in the family who could fix your vehicle and that's becoming increasingly rare to even you know to have the skill set in your family and then also to have uh the appropriate skill set to to meet today's vehicles uh like you said with the computers and everything it's just not what it used to be um you know it seems like the barrier to entry is, is higher in terms of getting into auto repair it used to be easier to yeah. just learn how to kind of do some stuff on the side yeah, maybe you couldn't do everything, but you could fix a little bit of stuff. And, and that's increasingly difficult to do. So and I think that's, a, you know, that speaks to the importance of what you're you're trying to get out with this event and, and what you're doing with the free clinic as well, um, because it is it is a trend that we're experiencing as working people, because especially in Alabama, I mean, hell, we have to have a car to get anywhere. Right. right. To get to work, to get to, you know, the store, uh, to pick up our kids, to take them to school, the whole thing. It's, you know, you cannot survive without a vehicle in Alabama. It's just so difficult. Um, and so that's why I think it's so relevant to working people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what we do is a really important service. Um, and yes, the I have a Ph.D. from Berkeley and. I have four ASE certifications. I compare one of those ASE certifications to the amount of knowledge I had to have for that one PhD. So if you are a master tech, it, to me, it's like having nine PhDs. So I, I, I hope people understand the level of it. Like, it's not just a physical job. It is a physical job. But it's not just a physical job. It's a very intellectually challenging job to understand how all of these systems work and how they work together to make the car run. I mean, you have most modern cars have a computer for their headlights. 
Can you believe that? Right. A computer for your headlights. You know, they have a computer for your lift gate. They have a computer for your uh, door uh, windows. And there's a computer for everything. And it's they're all hooked together on what's called the CAN bus. And they all talk to each other. And the ABS talks to the tracks and the control, talks to the transmission. You know, they all talk to each other. And you got to, if one of them's out, you got to figure out which one ain't talking. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a big time challenge um, to be able to diagnose vehicles. And, you know, I know people who, who to help customers will charge a hour, hour and a half diag on a diag that took five to six hours. And, you know, they're just trying to help customers out. And I know a lot of people do that. And then techs get upset about it because they spent five hours working on something and only got paid for two. So that's right. why I'm talking about the business model is kind of not good for techs. It's not good for customers. Sort of kind of is only good for owners. And, you know, I, I'd like to work through some thinking about how we could transform that business model into something that's good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I appreciate you having those kind of conversations and like trying to get that uh, out there. And um, was there anything else you wanted to to put out there either about the event or just in general about, you know, what you have going on with your project? Yeah, I, we got we have a. Uh, a network of mutual aid and uh, educational organizations called the Educational and Economic Resource Organizing Network. Uh, an organization in Sand Mountain called Sand Mountain Cooperative Education Center that's helping develop cooperatives, which is sort of relevant to what you guys talk about because unions and cooperatives are like sibling type organizations, both workplace democracy. We have disaster relief, farming, um, you know, educational organizations, auto repair. There's like seven organizations in the network, seven or eight organizations in the network. And I'm curious is if there's opportunities between um, our mutual aid and educational network and unions to create wraparound services for working people in some sort of collaborative project. Um, you know, I know unions have worked on housing co-ops in the past. Unions have done a lot, stretched out and done a lot of different types of things in the past. And I'm curious if our union brothers and sisters would be interested in uh, in helping us build some wraparound services. I, and this could be especially helpful during strike situations where the money's tight and, you know, we could sort of put something together. Along those lines, um, you know, we're in a mess in this country. Like we're, it's a mess. Right. You know, I, it, it, it's a mess. And I think unions and mutual aid are kind of the only way it's going to get fixed. Working people doing working people things is kind of the only way it's going to get fixed and creating these wraparound services with new institutions and unions being one of those institutions could be a way to start saying, Hey, why don't we, tried something different because what we're doing ain't working and it really ain't. And right. so, you know, I, I wonder if there's a chance to have some conversations with uh, some union members, some union leaders about, uh, you know, trying to create a new set of institutions that can actually support working people. Yeah. I, I, I've been having those same thoughts and um, you know, you and I will definitely be continuing those conversations because I think there's a lot of potential there I think especially when we look back at labor's history, when labor was at its peak, 
uh, and and the types of services they were providing and the ways they were in the community uh, and the ways working people were taking care of other working people and, and building our own institutions and also, you know, taking care of our own resources uh, and being less reliant on the system, so to speak. And I think that's going to be increasingly important for us. Uh, and I think there's a lot of potential, like you said, strikes or, you know, strikes are very difficult. And the more we can have institutions around us that can help take care of us and take care of each other, especially when we are fighting a long fight or a tough fight, um, you know, that's critical. So, yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, appreciate you joining us this morning, Zach, and, and definitely uh, hope you have a su uh, successful event. Uh, remind us the details on uh, when and where and how people can show up. Yeah, the event is at our shop, which is at 1259B South Memorial Drive, Prattville, Alabama, 36067. You go in the RV shop, go behind the RV shop, and our shop is behind the RV shop. Um, it's from 3 to 5 on December 16th, 3 to 5 Central from on December 16th. There are virtual options. You can go to my Twitter page, at Redneck Activist, and uh, there's a link there. There's also a link on the Automotive Free Clinic uh, page on Facebook where you can sign up if you want to attend virtually. We would prefer people to attend in person if possible, because we're trying to get some people from across the country to attend virtually, and there's only 30 slots available. So if you can attend in person, please come down and see us. You know, it, it's going to be a fun day, a good opportunity for everybody to have a good conversation. But if you can attend in person, please register online. It's only $15. And looking, looking forward to seeing you on December 16th. And Zach, where can people, if folks aren't going to be able, can't make it to the event, but they still want to donate to the Automotive Free Clinic, where can they do that? Automotivefreeclinic.org. Thank you. Awesome. And you All can right. also donate on the event page. Um, you can donate both on the event page and on automotivefreeclinic.org. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much, Zach. I really appreciate it. Wishing you well. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just love that idea. Uh, I think it's great to, the more we can do mutual aid as working people, it's just, it's very important, especially mm -hmm. as conditions just seem to get worse yep. year after year, right? So, uh, yeah, I love those kind of projects and anything we can do to elevate them, I think is really good. Um, yep. Have we got Tate in the Zoom? Let's see. Uh, let me check. I think we may have Tate. Um, Perfect. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and bring him on. Uh, Tate Hewer is, uh, let me uh, go to my emails and look at his signature and get his official title, Regional Vice President for Benefit Architects. Uh, they have um, insurance and, and other benefits for uh, AFGE members, uh, federal employees here. Um, that they've got several benefits that are only available to union members. Uh, they've been advertising on the show for a while, so if you are a regular listener, you should be familiar with the name. And as open season is closing for federal employees, we wanted to bring him on uh, to uh, uh, dive into uh, a little bit more about uh, what they offer uh, union members in the federal government. Tate, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Jacob. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, well, talk talk to us about Benefit Architects. What is that I exactly? So 
Our company, Benefit Architects, has been in business uh, for over 30 years, since 1986. And um, we provide benefits to union members, and they're union member specific. So, um, you know, we try to bridge a gap between some of the pitfalls of government insurance benefits, uh, but we also offer benefits that's not available through OPM. Uh, and mm -hmm. we're also branching out into other unions uh, other than AFGE. Uh, of course, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult, but um, we're, we're trying to um, give our benefits to all of the AFL-CIO uh, union members out there. Great, great. And and so I know that some of your benefits, I know for sure, are not limited to open season. There are some some offerings that you have that, that you can sign up for at any time. Are there any of them that you have to sign up for before December 11th, which is the end of open season? No, we, we don't have open seasons. Um, we have what they call kind of like a rolling open season. So if mm. you can get uh, into some of our benefits by the 12th of the month, then your coverage begins on the first of the following month, mm. such as if we can get in by December the 12th, then you're going to have a January one effective date. And some of the benefits that we do on how that works is uh, we offer certain dental insurance benefits. Uh, that are comparable, if not better, than some of the OPM dental benefits. Uh, we offer disability insurance through AFLAC, which is not available to federal employees. Uh, of course, you know, federal employees have sick leave, uh, but if you burn up all your sick leave, then you can potentially be put on leave without pay. And disability insurance yeah. would provide you a source of income, uh, you know, to pay bills in, or, until you can get back to work. Now, it does pay in conjunction with sick leave, or annual leave, uh, so you can double dip if you need to. However, if you're out of sick leave, then you're on leave, that leave without pay status, this would be the only source of income coming in to pay bills. And some of the, the pitfalls of government insurance is one, the life insurance benefit. Hmm. And if you hold FEGLI, which is your federal employees group life insurance, it's a government contract. So it's not really and truly an insurance policy for a personal person. Um, it's a government contract. The way that OPM and MetLife devised their plan is that it's a five-year renewable term, which means that it goes up in price every five years. And then in retirement, it gets so unaffordable that most federal employees are going to have to cancel it. So they lose the coverage. They lose the investments that they make inside that insurance contract. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Uh, with, with the plan that union members can get in with us, is an indexed universal life. So what happens is it's designed to stay level. So the premiums are designed to never go up. Uh, they have cash value that builds in the policy. And also they have permanent uh, insurance benefits until age 120. Now, you know, the old thinking of life insurance back in the day was I've got to die before somebody gets paid. And our policies have living benefits associated with them, which means that if you were to get terminally critically or chronically ill, then they're going to pay you while you're living. And then your beneficiary would get the rest once you pass away. And so, you know, it, it's a much better type of situation in the fact that, hey, if I get sick or if I have a, a situation that arises and I need money, then you could potentially get money off of that life insurance plan while you're living to take care of whatever it is you wouldn't want to take care of, um, you know, in those situations. Right. Right. Yeah, that that's uh 
that's really important. And especially, you know, you mentioned the fact that the, the Fegley increases in price as you get older. That's true. They put you in five-year age brackets. So every five years, such as 35, 40, 45, 50, uh, it increases in price. And the latter age brackets, it significantly increases in price. And I think it's more than, I want to say, 280% increase in price uh, over a federal employee's career. Mm. And so if I uh, and I sent you uh, an application last week uh, to, to go ahead and get on this uh, life insurance and, and the short-term disability insurance while I'm thinking about it during open season. But like you said, you can sign up anytime if you uh, sign up before the 12th of one month. It'll become active on the first of the next month. Um, but uh, but once once I sign up and once my uh, and, and once it starts, then my price won't change for the life insurance. Correct. Yes, we designed the policy to stay level so the price stays the same throughout your career, and all of our benefits are also portal. So if mm. something would arise and you say, "Look, I don't want to work for the federal government anymore," then you get to take those with you at the same price. So you don't ever lose anything, lose the investments that you're making into an insurance policy. Uh, they follow you wherever you go. Yeah, that that's pretty huge. Um, and and so can you talk? To, can you give us some uh, some ballpark figures? How much? How much? On a biweekly basis, every every paycheck, would I need, um, you know, for a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policies, you know, within certain parameters? I know that it's different for for different folks, but right. Well, premiums are all based on um, age and gender, of course, tobacco use, um, you know. But you know, if you're uh, if you're say forty years old, then you can get a hundred thousand dollar policy for probably around 15 to 20 dollars a pay period mm -hmm. um and so you know it's it's a type of deal to where if i can better my benefits through my union membership then i can take and potentially offset the cost of my union dues because i can save money by using these benefits and if i can save over a year's salary by using the life insurance benefit then that saves many, many years right. worth of union dues right there. And essentially, we like to try to make union membership, um, you know, free. Right. Uh, so if, you, if you're a member and you're paying dues and you're using our benefits, you could potentially offset the cost of your dues um, and, and make your union membership free. Um, let's talk about the short-term disability insurance for uh, a, a little while longer because that is something that that people in in my local have uh, they they have really kind of sung the praises of while they have been out of work for extended periods of time. Um, that short-term disability insurance was, uh, I mean, really a lifesaver in a lot of ways. Uh, talk to us about that some more. So our short-term disability is through AFLAC, and it's a guaranteed issue, which means that, you know, if you have a health issue, you can get into it. It might not cover that health issue for the first year, um, but it covers you for up to 60% of your gross monthly income. Uh, and when you look at gross monthly income, 60% normally is about take-home pay. Um, mm. So all of our plans have a zero-day accident waiting period. So if you were to get hurt in an off-job accident, uh, the plan starts to pay you day one. Uh, for sicknesses, you choose if you want to do a seven, a 14, or a 30-day wait on sicknesses. Now, I always kind of suggest looking at the seven or the 14-day wait because you have to miss 
those days consecutively before they start to pay you on the next day. And mm -hmm. if you're looking at a 30 day waiting period, yes, it might cost less, but you know, it, for to miss 30 consecutive days of work, you're probably pretty, really pretty sick. Right. Uh, so I always kind of look and lean back towards the seven or the 14 day waiting period. Uh, and we have the option of getting, you know, a benefit period such as a seven day wait has a six month benefit period. But if you move to a 14 day wait, you're looking at a six month, a 12 month or a 24 month benefit period. And, you know, what what a lot of experts say in the fact of disability insurance is that it is one of the most important insurances that you can buy. Um, and it's because that it protects your most valuable asset. And your most valuable asset is your ability to earn a living wage. And if that's taken away from you, then you can't pay your house note. You can't pay your car note. Uh, you can't pay, you know, anything if no money's coming in. Uh, and if you're burning through sick leave and you run out of it and you're on that leave without pay status, you know, yep. you're still having health insurance. So when you come back to work, you're still having to pay back health insurance premiums. It could affect your service comp date and things like that. So we don't want you to run out of sick leave. Uh, and that's what disability is there to kind of supplement that sick leave income, uh, but also provide you an income if you're on that leave without pay status. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it, it can be tough and, and that's why it's, it's really important. Um, before we let you go, um, you know, open season is ending December 11th. And so um uh, so people are thinking about their health insurance, their dental insurance, uh, and their optical uh, insurance. And so, like you said, uh, for uh, for your plans, you can sign up at any time. Uh, but but talk to us about your uh, um, vision and dental insurance uh, offerings that you have. So the dental insurance. Here's the thing with that: um, you can sign up with us at any time. However, you cannot get out of OPM's dental insurance at any time. Mm. It has to be open season so that you can opt out of any dental insurance plans through OPM. Um, our, we have four different dental plans, and we just added a couple of new ones. One is a Cigna HMO plan. Now, the, the fallback on an HMO is that you have to go see a dentist off of the list, but mm. it's a very deep discounted plan. I think it starts at like $18 a pay period for one person. Um, but cleanings, x-rays, and fillings are free. Wow. Root canals start at $50 out of pocket. A crown starts at $50 out of pocket. Um, implants are covered. So if you have a missing tooth and you need a post and a crown put on, uh, I think it's covered as little as $9.75 out of pocket. So it's a very deep discounted plan if you're okay with going to a dentist off of the list and Cigna has a wide provider, you know, wide provider spectrum. So uh, they have, you know, a lot of participating dentists in that HMO plan. And I mean, let's face it, I've got, I'm rolling on a small Cadillac in my mouth. Mm. <laughs> so I've got, you know, my, my, my crown and my root canal, you know, it was uh, root canals, 400 crown, 600 uh, paying $4,000 for an implant. Uh, so if I can save, you know, six, five, six hundred dollars on a crown and a root canal, hey, that just paid my union dues for the rest of the year. Right. If I can save three thousand dollars on an implant, then that paid my union dues for several years. Um, and so, you know, I think that that is the, the one of the most deep discounted plans that's out there. Uh, of course, if you just can't live without your dentist, we do have a PPO plan where you can go see any dentist you want to. 
but it acts more like traditional health insurance where you've got mm. uh, co-pays, uh, you know, the, the, you have a $50 annual deductible. There's a $5,000 annual max, but they cover cleanings and x-rays at hundred percent. And then any other major work is covered at 50%. And the good thing about our dental plan is, you know, through the government, your child, your children are cut off at age 22 to whereas mm. we cover children until the age of 26. And also we cover domestic partners to whereas the government doesn't cover domestic partners. Also, you don't have to provide birth certificates or anything like that to cover your children uh, under our plans. Now, if the kids do reach above the age of 26, uh, we can get their own plan as well. So it's, a, it's you know, we, we like to provide options. And like I said, you can better the benefits through your union membership with us. Right. And what about vision? Uh, the vision insurance is through Cigna. Um, it's as little as $5 a pay period for one person. I think 14 for the whole family. But exams are a $10 copay. Um, contacts are covered at 100% after a $20 copay. I think they give $130 allowance on frames. Uh, so anything over the $130 allowance is a 20% discount. And then lenses are covered as well. So it's a pretty deep, right. pretty, pretty uh, vision plan. And there's quite a few participating optometrists in the plan as well. All right. So folks, uh, you heard the man. If you are a federal employee in the area and you're not a union member, you're going to have to become a union member to get these benefits. You can go to afge.org slash join. Um, and then you'll go to uh, enroll in edus and uh, the local uh, the agency if you uh, live and work here in Huntsville no matter what agency you're going to select army and then that's where our local is nested under local 1858 uh, and then fill out the rest of your information become a AFGE member you can get access to these uh, to these benefits Tate if you are a union member uh, how do I reach out to you and and take advantage of this well, um, you can always call me on my personal cell phone number. Uh, it's 501-529-3753. You can also go to our website, which is benefitarchitects.com. Uh, you can look at our brochures. You can request an appointment. We also have a retirement division service um, that um, kind of helps. It's free service, but it helps with paperwork. It kind of opens the doors, looks under rocks, make sure that you're not making uh, some ill decisions at retirement mm. that could affect you and your money throughout the, your, your retirement years. And so you can go to our website and schedule an appointment with that. And uh, you mentioned that you're wanting to expand your, your partnerships beyond AFGE with other AFL-CIO unions. If I'm a union member in the area and, and that sounds good to me, um, what do I need to do to get my local uh, or international union uh, partnered with y'all? Um, you can just reach out to me and we can have a discussion about that uh, and, and go from there because, you know, private sector unions are a little bit different than mm -hmm. uh, federal unions. Uh, so, you know, we've worked with those in the past uh, and we can try to help negotiate health insurance contracts and things like that for private sector employees. Of course, you know, OPM's health insurance is kind of set in stone and, and they give government subsidy to employees where we can't do any kind of subsidy. So as wow. far as in federal employees, we don't do health insurance, but, you know, we're, we can try to work with a private sector union to try to help better their contracts. Okay. 
Great. Well, Tate Hewer, I appreciate you taking the time. This was great. Hey, thanks, Jacob. I appreciate you all having me today. Yep. Talk soon. All right. Thank you. There you go, folks. Folks, uh, BenefitArchitects.com. Uh, check them out, uh, especially if you're a federal employee. If you are a federal employee here in the area, you're not a union member, what are you doing? Join AFGE, um, and, uh, and then you can take advantage of these fantastic benefits. Make your union membership free. So there you go. Nice. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, David is in the chat. Morning, sisters and brothers. Um, Darnell, Machinist Progressive Lodge 41, St. Louis, Missouri here. Solidarity, thank you. Uh, we got a text message from uh, Randy again out of Elizabethtown, Kentucky, UAW Local 3047, telling us about the DHL strike. Um, that's Appreciate you keeping us up to date over there. Scott, unionize everything uh, in Indeed, indeed, D.L. Cindero says, peace, comrades and fellow workers. Thank you. Charles Ghost says, TVLR. <laughs> um, Union Joe says, solidarity. Um, Scott says, uh, um, some government workers are not allowed to join unions. I don't know if that's the case. I don't, I, I'm not aware of any government workers that are not allowed to join unions. I do not, do not think that's true. Um, you may or may not have a union in your agency already, but if you're a federal employee, you can unionize. I can't think of any exceptions to that rule at the moment. Um, and so you can reach out to AFGE to see if, uh, to, to get a conversation started about organizing if you don't have a union in your shop. There you go. Tempest Lord Rahan, solidarity from Houston, IWW. Thanks for watching. We've got uh, uh, almost 40 people watching the stream and only 36 likes. If you haven't liked the stream yet, please do on YouTube. Same for Facebook. With that, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back, and we're going to talk about uh, what the UAW is up to in Tennessee. Stay tuned. In Alabama, more than 200,000 of our friends and neighbors are living without health care coverage. Often folks can't stay healthy enough to keep their jobs. We need to fix this. Let's close the health care coverage gap. To learn more, visit CoverAlabama.org. Support for this program also comes from the Ironworkers, Local 477. So if you are looking for contractors with lower than average EMR and TRIR, uh, they tell me that if you need to know what those mean, then you will. Uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time, short or long term, if you need ironworkers that come trained and certified at no extra cost, or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer, and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Ironworkers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. 
We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans, and we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers, and we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The Laborers International Union of North America, Local 366, is proudly recruiting North Alabama workers to work construction and nuclear plant maintenance. If you're interested, please contact Donna at their training center to start the process. That phone number is 256 415 7452. Again, that phone number is 256 415 7452. No experience is needed. Free training is offered, but you must be able to pass a background check and a drug test. Local hiring that grows our community with good paying jobs that have benefits is their mission. Live better, work union, local 366. Feel the power. Support for this program also comes from the Mid-South Council of Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union. Learn more at rwdsu.info. I'm attorney Tommy Senior. When you've been injured and need help, you need a lawyer who's with you. Senior'd Law. You need attorneys always available to take care of you. Senior'd Law. And keep you in the loop. It's your case. You need to know what's happening. Senior'd Law. And never a charge to meet with us to evaluate your case. Senior'd Law. A new firm, but an old name. One that will stay with you every step of the way. Senior'd Law. The name with proven results. As labor union members, we face our share of challenges in the workplace. But today, I want to talk about a different kind of challenge, the climate crisis. We've all seen the fury of Mother Nature, the storms that can turn lives upside down in an instant. That's why Hometown Action is launching our Climate Protection Project. We're heading out to 10 rural communities, listening to local folks, and taking action with them to protect communities impacted by climate disasters. And we need you, our union brothers and sisters, to join us. Together, we'll make a difference. Our strength on the job is undeniable, and now it's time to put that strength to work for the planet. Let's protect our communities, our families, and our future. Visit hometownaction.org today and sign up to volunteer for the Climate Protection Canvas. Union Talk Radio Show. This is the Valley Labor Report. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, really enjoyed our interviews. Um, when we left, I was I was reacting to a comment uh, saying that um, it's uh, some government workers are not allowed to join unions, and I was in uh, my head was stuck. While we were talking about federal workers. My head was stuck in in the federal employee land. Um, 
And so what I said about uh, government workers can join a union, um, a lot of them have unions, that's, where I, that's what I was thinking about, but somebody in the comments uh, section said, hot take us, uh, um, that's the, their name, some government workers do not have collective bargaining rights, and that is correct. Many uh, state and municipal government workers do not have collective bargaining rights um, it is explicitly in some states and municipalities actually it is explicitly illegal to have a collective bargaining uh, contract collective bargaining agreement it's illegal to strike etc etc but um, in no situation can they make it illegal for you to join and be part of a union so I appreciate that clarification uh, that was I wasn't thinking properly, uh, but that's correct. In some places, you can't have a collective bargaining agreement. You can't strike legally, right? But they can still join a union. Indeed. And and we've been talking recently a lot about uh, the UE Local 150 in North Carolina, where that's exactly the case. They don't have collective bargaining rights, but they are, and they don't have the right to strike either. But they're striking. They're winning. They're winning thousands of dollar bonuses for their members uh, after going on strike. They're uh, making a lot of gains uh, in municipalities in North Carolina. So, um, so yeah. Shout out to the UE. Shout out to UE, and specifically UE Local 150. Okay. So, the UAW is, um, they are in their... Uh, uh, Stand Up 2.0, that's the name of the campaign uh, that they're going with now as they are trying to organize the unorganized in the non-union auto sector. Uh, they're going after 13 non-union companies right now. They have dropped cards nationwide at all of these locations. We went into detail about like their, their the general plan and, and all of this kind of stuff um, last week. And the first location to go public with their campaign is Volkswagen in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Let's play this video that they created uh, with Volkswagen workers in Chattanooga. 15 years ago, Volkswagen came to Tennessee. It meant a lot to our community. It meant a lot to us. We knew that in Germany and around the world, VW jobs meant good jobs. We knew that in Kentucky and Texas and right here in Tennessee, auto jobs meant secure jobs. But in the past 15 years, that's not what we got here in Chattanooga. The pay isn't keeping up. The benefits aren't what they should be. The question isn't why do auto workers at Volkswagen across the world get a better deal than us in Tennessee? And the question isn't why do GM workers in Spring Hill or Ford workers in Louisville get a better life? The question is, why don't we? For years, we've tried to leave this place better than we found it. We've tried to stand up for our coworkers, for our families, for Chattanooga. And for years, the company and their big money allies have tried to keep us down. But times have changed, and our time is now. There's no question that the workers won here. These are major, major gains that well, auto workers have not seen in decades. Auto workers at Volkswagen and Chattanooga are ready to stand up. That's why we're announcing that over a thousand of us have signed our union cards and we're telling the world we're VW, we're UAW, and we're ready. Auto workers across the country are ready, ready to fight for a better life, a better job, a better future. 
We're ready to stand up and join the UAW. And we're asking you to stand with us. There you go, folks. Over a thousand, over a thousand Volkswagen workers in Chattanooga, Tennessee have already signed union cards. That's over 30% of the uh, the workforce at that plant. Um, so really, really uh, just huge news there. Um, UAW.org slash join is where you can sign a authorization card if you're a Volkswagen worker or a Toyota worker here in Huntsville. Um, and if you're a Toyota worker here in Huntsville, then call us, uh, give us a call. Love to hear from you and, and, uh, hear about what's going on over there in Toyota. But Volkswagen, uh, on their site where you can sign these cards, uh, slash join, they have a section devoted to each corporation, each non-union auto company. And, and the Volkswagen section, and, and all of these sections are like kind of breakdowns of, of the profits and, and the executive pay and all of this stuff. Um, and so Volkswagen, their profits are up more than 60% over the last three years. Their vehicle prices have soared by more than 40%. VW workers in Tennessee, however, are being left behind while just 13 top executives rake in a combined $60 million. It's time for VW workers to stand up and fight for more. Uh, so there you go, folks. UAW.org slash join if you're a Volkswagen worker in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, or if you're a non-union automaker, auto worker anywhere across the country. Luis Leon, uh, much like he had the definitive article on the announcement of Stand Up 2.0, he has the definitive definitive article on the Volkswagen card drop. Uh, it's in labornotes.org. The title of the article is Inspired by Strike Wins, A Thousand Volkswagen Workers Sign Union Cards. Um, and so one of the things that he does well uh, that, that's important is he talks about some of the history at the Volkswagen plant. Uh, he doesn't dive really deep into it, but if you want to, if you want a deep dive into what happened at the Volkswagen plant, then you got to go to labornotes.org again, and you got to search for Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks has the definitive definitive history on the uh, the Volkswagen campaigns by the UAW in uh, 2014 and 2019. There've already been UAW campaigns at Volkswagen. And so Luis says, uh, talks about how the two previous attempts fell short, but they fell short very narrowly, unlike UAW attempts at other non-union automakers like at Nissan. Uh, it was two to one against the union, a very big defeat. At Chattanooga, at the Volkswagen facility, it's very close. In 2014, they only lost by 86 votes. In 2019, they lost by only 57 votes with a 93% turnout. So, uh, you know, just really gut-wrenching losses there. There were 1,700 workers at the plant then, and now there are almost 4,000 workers. Almost 4,000 workers at the plants today. They build the Atlas and Cross Sport SUVs as well as the electric ID4. In 2015, a smaller group of skilled trades workers won their election by a vote of 108 to 44. 
joining UAW Local 42, which formed as a minority union following the 2014 loss, uh, but the company refused to negotiate with a smaller unit, delaying in the courts, and the UAW quietly jettisoned the effort, filing instead for a full unit in 2019. Uh, so that's kind of and, and and what a big reason that they still lost in 2019 was um and and in the 2014 uh as well is that there was a huge mobilization of political and cultural of the political and cultural elite in Chattanooga the governor <laughs> the governor came and delivered an anti-union speech at the plant on behalf of the company I mean, that's just a crazy level of collusion uh, with, you know, the powers that be on the ha on the uh, um, on behalf of the company. Um, and this is a company. This is a German company, right, where their uh, operations overseas in Germany are unionized. Um, and so clearly this is a company that could handle, you know, having a union in, in the workplace, but they don't want to. Um, because they can get away with it here because of our terrible, terrible labor laws. Um, and so that they've been doing everything that they can to, uh, to keep the union at bay. Uh, Cochran, who was one of the um, uh, minority union members in the skilled trades department, told NPR in 2019 how outside anti-union groups tried to smear the union drive by tying the organizing to the FBI's raid of the home of UAW President Gary Jones, who was later convicted of embezzling union funds and tax evasion. And that is... Uh, that's... So such important context because now they're not going to have that anymore because of the new leadership. Thanks to one member, one vote in the UAW, uh, the leadership is new. The leadership is clean and uh, and they've been fighting at the big three and winning um, um, really great contracts. And so it's it's going to be a lot more difficult, you know, to smear the UAW with the crimes of the past when it's a totally different leadership team. Um, so, so that's going to be really helpful, I think, in the campaign. Luis quotes Billy Quigg, a production team member in assembly at the Chattanooga plant, who was also involved in the minority union. Among his top reasons for backing the union push are forced overtime on Saturdays and a lack of time off. He was one of the 700 Volkswagen workers who signed a June 2022 petition demanding the company, quote, do better on quality of life issues related to our schedules. Volkswagen workers have met the first of three milestones in the UAW's organizing plan. 30% have signed union cards. Once they reach 50%, uh, then union leaders, community allies, and family members are going to rally the workers in public displays of the committee's strength and community support. And at 70%, and after having built up their organizing committee to include workers from every shift and job classification, workers will present the company with a choice. Voluntarily recognize the union, or workers will file for a union authorization election supervised by the National Labor Relations Board. So a very clear plan. Um, moving very quickly. I mean, over a thousand cards in less than a week. That's huge. So things are moving very quickly at Volkswagen in Chattanooga. We might be making a trip to Chattanooga soon. Yeah. That's uh, it's only an hour and a half away. Um, 
So I wanted to wrap this up by another video with another video that the UAW put out um, more generally about the campaign. And so, you know, if you're a non-union auto worker listening to this, you're you're taking a look at what's happening in, at Volkswagen in Chattanooga. You know, here's another little push to uh, to join the UAW. Let's play this. These hands. These hands. These hands. These hands punch the clock. These hands work the lines. These hands build the cars. And every dollar in profit these companies make is made by these hands. Whether a Toyota, Hyundai, Mercedes, Volkswagen, Rivian. America's auto workers are at a crossroads. When the big three auto companies refuse to share their record profits. Auto workers got to organize. For over 40 days and nights, auto workers at Ford, GM, and Stellantis held the line in one big. There's only one question facing America's auto workers now. Who's got next? These hands don't belong to any company. They don't belong to GM. They don't belong to Toyota. They don't belong to Tesla. These hands belong to an auto worker. And these hands will determine what happens next. This is our generation's defining moment. Either we organize and stand up for ourselves. Or we keep falling further behind. Either we fight for a decent standard of living. Or we sit down and shut up. As long as we're divided, we're weak. But united, we can move mountains. It's time for auto workers from all companies to join together. From Illinois to Alabama. From Mercedes to Toyota. It's time to stand up. All of us. As United Auto workers. workers. So there you go. Really exciting stuff. Um, and the comms department at the UAW continues to put out incredible incredible videos oh yeah i was just gonna say great work on that uaw comms mm -hmm. department uh, yeah yeah great work uh getting those workers there and and involved in it uh i think it was really powerful to see and to hear from folks from all over uh of course love the the alabama presence yeah yeah uh so yeah i really really appreciated that i think it's um i think it's effective um it would it would convince me. Uh, granted, I'm biased, right. but um, <laughs> you would you would have taken a lot to to be pushed over the line, though. Right. So that, that's, <laughs> that says a lot that that would convince you, Adam. You're, yeah. It, I know that you're very skeptical. Of yeah. You know, if I'm like you know pretending to be a persuadable audience, <laughs> it worked. So uh, yeah, I really hope it's working. Uh, and yeah, absolutely for auto workers in the area, um, if you are union curious, go to uaw.org/join. Uh, you are, of course, welcome to reach out to us, uh, and uh, we would love to connect with people in the auto industry here in Alabama, uh, especially those of you local in the Tennessee Valley here at uh, Toyota Mazda, but also, yeah, Mercedes, Hyundai, wherever. Uh, if you're working in the auto industry in Alabama, in the South, we'd love to hear from you. Yep. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, and most importantly, we'd love for you to be connected with UAW. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we have a call. We have a caller on the line um, from a three one four area code. So we've got about we've got about five minutes before we need to wrap up. So it'll have to be a quick call. But let's uh, let's bring him on the line. Um, uh, our caller from a three one four area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm Daniel from St. Louis. Um, out of Progressive Law 41. Daniel from St. Louis out of uh, Machinist Progressive Lodge 41. Um, thanks yeah. for calling in. What's on your mind? Um, 
I just wanted uh, I just had a, recently had a, a quick little story that um, that, my, that my union helped. That I think it's pretty important to see what unions can do on a personal level. Um, I was recently hired into a job and I did not get my cost of living increase or my pay book. And I, I, after a probationary period, right. and I signed a con, and I signed a contract in doing so. <clears throat> and so. They um they didn't when when they when they when they finally gave it to me a couple months later the the um uh, the cost of the increase um was retroactive to my old pay but not in but not in accordance with my new pay mm. and you know and um and, and I asked my boss why and he said well it's just three cents and I said well you know I take the bus at the couple extra rise up rise on the bus a week. And he says, yeah, well, you're living on a fine with I said, yeah, I said, okay. And then I asked him, um, can I get my retro pay? Because I was owed two months extra pay. And he right. said, um, I, I can't do that. And so my, I talked to my steward, and my steward talked to the union, and then the union put the screws onto, um, onto my uh, job. And, um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I got my back pay. And um, and uh, and cost of living increased increased in part in, in course of a new pay. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The caveat I, I want to say is though is that I didn't. It, there was my union years ago. The job was screwing over new hires because of this, and so the union implemented a contract of new hires to sign so they could have a, a contract binding of, of, of the pay increase, and. Um, I just think that's a that, that that's a pretty interesting caveat I haven't thought of before, and it helps on a personal level as well. So yeah, that's something yeah, that's great. Lo love to hear stories about unions getting their members back pay uh, when it's owed to them, and that you know that, that kind of calls back to you know we were talking about the VA Correct Compensation Act. How you know there are some job classifications in the in the VA. Uh, Veterans Affairs Department that uh, are exempt, that their union uh, for some reason, so, somewhere in the law, uh, some lawmaker was, a, was was able to get it passed that the union is not allowed to represent their employees, uh, their members in uh, in these issues where, you know, the, the agency is jipping them. Um, well, so, yeah. I've got to say, I, I really appreciate you sharing the story. I've worked some cases like that myself when I represented educators where yeah, the the cola was based on the wrong salary, and it was based on a lower salary than what they actually made. So they mm -hmm. were being shorted. Yes, it was a little amount, but it added up over time right. to be a significant amount. And I was successful in getting mm -hmm. back pay for hundreds of educators in that situation, uh, and it was about a almost a quarter million dollars in back pay that we got paid out for mm -hmm. folks. So it added up, you know, cumulatively. Uh, for a lot of people. Uh, and so, yeah, good on you for, for fighting the good fight and for bringing it to your, your steward's attention and uh, good for the union for having your back on that. That's a good win. Yeah, it was interesting because they didn't expect me to um, fight them because I told my boss, he said, when he, when he, he means my new, um, my new rate, he said, don't talk to your other work your coworkers about this and I said, and I said that's illegal and he had like a ear and headlights expression hmm. on his face and he said well yeah you're right 
you can talk about wherever you want your union. Like, and not not just because we're not union. Anyone can do it. Like, okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so they really try to pull fast ones on on people who aren't really aware of what of what they're incapable of. Um, person with or without union or just as a worker. So yeah, it was it was it was just like a. It's just, it's just a story I think I wanted to highlight that you only we see these we see all these grand wins, which is nice, but on a personal one-on-one level, the unit can still is still very very good and very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much Thanks. for calling in uh, and hold it down for us out there in St. Louis. Yeah. I also get one request if you can um, uh, get Rob McKenzie. He's a former UAW. Um, uh, president and he wrote a book about how um called el golpe about how the cia um ford and the afl cio used um thugs to try to squash a unionization in a mexican ford plant uh, really that sounds fascinating yeah. sounds right up our alley yeah. brother appreciate the recommendation yeah thank you yeah yeah which is you know with the new progressive um solitary the gaza and whatnot um it might get more light shed on it, more archives, but yeah, interesting guest for your Thursday show. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. Well, take care. We're, we're about to head on out of here, but yeah, thanks again for the call. Mm-hmm. It's all very Have a good day. Appreciate it. As we're wrapping up, folks, labornotes.org slash events. They have uh, this month... Um, what to do when your union breaks your heart, uh, getting started, caucus development, all sorts of stuff, labornotes.org slash events. Check it out. Uh, Adam is working with Alabama Arise to develop and host an advocacy training in January. Let him know if you're interested. Tennessee Valley Progressive Alliance held its meeting on December the 5th. You can check out their Facebook for more details there. Um, get involved with the North Alabama DSA and the Huntsville Citizens Climate Lobby uh, for news about um, stuff going on in the area locally on the protest front. Um, shop Talk, we doing Shop Talk next week, Thursday. To be determined. TBD. That's going to be it for us, folks. Find us on Facebook, YouTube. We're going to continue the show. We've got a caller on the line. We'll start overtime with that. So don't go anywhere, 629 area code. We will get to you as soon as we get into overtime. Uh, For those on the radio, see you next week.